I thought I was a great manager. I, I thought I could manage people effectively and more importantly, manage my time even greater than I had ever done before until my son Joshua came on the scene. How is that person going to take that? How are they going to react to that? And how is that going to benefit the situation? Hmm. And again, like you said, if you arrange a meeting for the next day or later in the day, you've got time to analyse, look at the facts, have a few thoughts, and almost like a game of chess, think how their reactions might be. Procrastination is a problem for a lot of people. You can't use that philosophy yeah. in creating time until you put the structure in place that manages the time. Yeah. Hello and welcome from me, Patrick Twitchett. And from me, Melvin Manning. And from me, David Goldring. And welcome everyone to the uh, January uh, Case broadcast. Case is actually connecting and supporting entrepreneurs. We hope you spotted the acronym uh, if not, you can always rewind and listen to that again. We run open and close mastermind groups and run this monthly broadcast unedited on video and audio where we want to give you, the listener, some invaluable input to help you on your journey. Now, Melvin and I have our word of the month. Melvin, can you remember what the word of the month was last month? Don't be so ridiculous, Patrick. <laughs> oh, well, I can, because... Well, it was your word, Patrick, so come on. It, 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 it suddenly was. And David, I don't know if you're aware, but these word of the months, Melvin had quite a few, and they seem to always be aimed at me. So uh, this, this uh, last month's word was precipitous. Uh, Melvin or David, do you have any idea what precipitous may mean? Uh, not at this time in the morning, Patrick. No, it's too early. I haven't had my breakfast yet, Patrick. Oh, okay. Well, actually, what it means is uh, that it's something that's done suddenly and without careful consideration. But, but other words are hasty, rash and hurried. Um, so uh, that's the meaning of that word, Melvin. Does that sort of resound with you at all in any way or form? <coughs> It kind it kind of has a kind of a, a comfort factor. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that it sits very comfortably with you, you mean? It does. <laughs> I'm sure it does. It's now, great. Melvin, we we, we then... I find it very very warm. Yeah, we we now give a, a word for next month. Now, Melvin, I don't know if you've prepared a word, but. If you haven't, I have prepared one. So, did you have a word, Melvin? Uh, Cairo curist. Cairo curist. Was that? Or a Cairo curist for those who don't know English. Cairo English. <laughs> You're Syrian. That, that's a that surprised you, Cookie Boy, didn't it? <laughs> Cairo curious. Okay. A Cairo curious, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. No, no, of course we will wait with uh, bated breath till next month. So uh... I'll give you a clue, though. Oh, okay. The hardest words to spell in the English language. 
So it was deliberately picked on that basis of a hardest word to spell in the English language. Okay, very good. So we'll we'll come back to that next month. So for now, David David is looking totally bemused now. Yeah, well, indeed. I say, if I had hair, it would have disappeared. Well, you <laughs> might need to go and see a chiropodist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with my back. <laughs> now, now, moving on, David, I might need you to find a word for me. Can you just look in your thesaurus of a word that, that um, it describes someone who keeps batting in? Oh, that'd be a good one. For, <laughs> for another no, time. That probably would begin with an M. <laughs> read my mind. I'm sure it will. <laughs> I'm sure it begins with an M and ends in Elvin. It yeah. might do. Elfin. Right time of year. <laughs> anyway, moving on, before our listeners move away in disgust, um, I'd like us all to listen out, listen up and listen in. I am getting really good at that now, aren't I, Melvin? Are you impressed? I've got to tell you, you must be practising every day. I <laughs> I do. I'm in front of the mirror every morning. You must uh, very strange in the car when you're driving along. I'm going to work on the three, two, one. <laughs> yeah, Dusty Bin's still not been found. No. So um, we have a guest this month. So our guest is David Goldring. Now, David Goldring owns and runs TNL Consultancy, who are business advisors to small and medium enterprises. They specialise in supporting SME business owners and contribute to success among startups, turnarounds, struggling, and businesses that are looking to grow. He has nine years direct experience in consultancy and 37 years tactical leadership roles in small, medium and large organisations. So a well of experience and I'm sure indeed wisdom. So welcome, David. Thank you very much and good morning to all. Morning, David. Good morning, Melvin. Uh, Benjamin Franklin once said, don't put off until tomorrow what you can do today. He also said, you may delay, but time will not. And lost time is never found again. So this month's case mastermind explores the positives and negatives of putting a task or action off to the next day and how managing tasks effectively can lead to a positive outcome in both your work and personal lives. Case Mastermind is a friendly and supportive business community connecting and supporting entrepreneurs. We hold our open case mastermind meetings on the second Friday of each month. Why not contact me and join as my guest on the 15th of January, 2021. The details are in the box below and explore the January topic, which is don't put off until tomorrow what can be done today? Manage the monkey. So to expand on that slightly, there are three main points, which the January Mastermind meeting will explore. Number one, 
the positives and negatives of putting a task or an action off to the next day. And two, how managing tasks effectively can lead to a positive outcome in both your work and personal lives. And lastly, number three, how being a protagonist, pessimist, optimist, or a realist can lead to positive decisions and outcomes. Excellent, thank you, David. So uh, please lead us off in uh, this month's podcast. So this month's podcast is gonna be based on uh, my experiences, both within my personal and business working career. Uh, but what I found as a manager of people going back to, oh, when I was about 33, was I thought I was a great manager. I, I thought I could manage people effectively and more importantly, manage my time even greater than I had ever done before until my son Joshua came on scene. Joshua was born in 1990 and I realized very quickly that what I'd learned at work meant nothing in trying to bring up a boisterous young boy who pushed buttons that had never been pushed before and made me realize that maybe what I thought I knew, I had to adjust. And so managing the monkey could have been classed as managing Joshua and learning from that experience. So <laughs> subsequently in 1992, my daughter Sarah was born and she came with a whole new array of buttons that I'd never experienced thereafter. So I thought, you know, as a parent, I now knew it all. And I employed what I'd learned as being a parent in my business career in managing other people and managing time effectively. Well, when I was 50 years old, I was fortunate enough to have child number three, which was Asha. And I thought, well, I've had two children prior. They've both grown up. I've had buttons pressed that I never experienced before. So as a 50 year old father, I thought I knew it all. It would be a doddle. But along came Asher with a completely different set of buttons that I had never experienced before. And so it became a learning experience all over again. But the most important thing that I take from this is no matter what you do, no matter how good you think you are, no matter how great you are at managing time and tasks, you know nothing until you've experienced it yourself in your personal life. And the learning point from all of this is that you have to apply what you've learned in both your personal and business lives to benefit both. So to those joining us today, just a quick break away from our discussion there, just to let you know that if you wanted to know more 
or be a part of the Pace Mastermind community, all you need to do is follow the links in the notes below to our website to find out more. And I'll see you there, in case you didn't already know. Now let's go back to the discussion. Occasionally I can be accused of being this type of person. So David, I would like to ask you to expound and to give us the uh, benefits of all your learned wisdom with all of your three children and the immensity of the businesses that you've been involved with over the last 35 years. Um, procrastination. It's a problem for a lot of people. Mm. So in your experiences, how might you approach this particular subject? Well, I think protagonism, as it is classed, is experienced by absolutely every individual. But what they do is that they manage it differently. Um, we are all protagonists. I am especially. Yeah, my first thought is, do I put it off until tomorrow? Um, I'll be of a better mindset. I will think clearer. Um, and sometimes that actually is the case. Yeah. Um, but there's always going to be something else that will crop up. And so what I found is instead of you dealing with what you've got in front of yourself when it comes along, there should be times when you delay it correctly. But more importantly, there are times when you need to action it and clear that task off your desk. Because if you don't, it will build until the next day. So what's the mechanism that you might need to put in place to be able to, number one, confront the feeling mm. and then find uh, the method or what would be the method to create the action that you're actually putting off? Okay, I think I would class it as a clear desk policy. That's how I've always operated. And so I would look at, give you an example, you know, your whole day could be consumed by looking at emails and you think you're being productive and busy. Mm. But in principle, what you're doing is being a busy fool because you're spreading that out, spreading that out over the whole day. So imagine it's a desk and every email that you've got, you've printed out and there's now a pile of them on your desk the thought is you're overwhelmed because there's so much to do. So the key really is, is time management. Manage your time so that you have clear periods within the day. And then you can then plan to achieve the tasks when you need to achieve them rather than put them off. So I hope that throws some light onto it for you, Melvin. So, so it's, it's, a, it's a bit like the elephant sitting on the fence, isn't it? Uh, well, yes, because eventually that fence will collapse. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. I'm more of the mindset that um, you can't eat a large elephant in one go. And so therefore you need to break it down into manageable chunks <clears throat> because no one can digest a whole elephant. Yeah. So in, in, your, in your kind of conclusion on this particular point, because I know there's some more points that do come into the uh, question here. Mm. Um, 
how would you summarize how you might put in a mechanism? What mechanism would it be? Is it a diary? Is it a sheet of paper with tick boxes on it? What, what's the mechanism? Okay. Well, back in the day, it was a quill and a piece of paper. I remember that name. But as we've now moved on, um, and with so many years experience behind me, I've now moved from the quill and the paper to my computer and calendar and tasks management. And so now I use a piece of software that enables me to see the task, mm. the events on one screen. Mm -hmm. And so therefore what I do is I manage my time as effectively as I can mm. and I create routines throughout my day. So when I was running stores or running companies, the first thing I ever did was greet my staff. And then that would be an hour out of my day, at the beginning of the day, in the middle of the day, and at the end of the day. Mm. And then I would create time for events. So I would do anything I wanted as an event, as a meeting to take place in the morning. The afternoon was my time where phones were off. I would then tackle the task and complete it. But it was about not overloading my day. It was about mm. looking at what I could manageably achieve in that day, within that time scale, so I could achieve it. And to be honest with you, once you've achieved what you want to achieve in a day, you've got a feeling of satisfaction. Mm. Yeah. Whereas if you don't achieve it, you've got a feeling of feeling deflated. So, you know, I like to win and I like to achieve. And my task was always to achieve what I wanted to do in that particular timescale. Okay, so Patrick, you, you may resonate with this particular point. So most people in, let's say on this planet, let alone this country, to switch your phone off, to turn the sound off, to put it in a drawer whilst you focus and concentrate on set items is it's almost impossible. It's almost like having some kind of extraction from your body. <clears throat> How do you train people to turn their phones off? Is this directed at me, Mel? Well, no, it was just, you, you, you actually have the courage to do it. You do switch your phone off, Patrick, whereas I don't. You know, it's, you know the cowardly lion, you know, which, however you want to look at it. Uh, frightened I might miss something kind of hmm. uh, attitude. Or, you know, something important might happen and someone might need me. And the thing is, is that what people tend to do, and, you know, I am speaking from my own experiences, is that they do put it off. Mm. And, but in this instance, they leave the phone on. So how do you train someone to positively, let's say, create or do that action? Can you run with that, David, or do you want me to make a start on that? I can run with it if you'd like me to, Patrick. Well, I think it's important because, you know, in the, in, in the environment of home, which you mm. uh, referred to at the very beginning, mm. you take, a phone, take a mobile phone away from a teenager. I can mm. you. Well, that's very true. Um, and you would do so at your peril. 
Well, <laughs> nine times out of ten, there are obviously the odd occurrence where it's all lovely, wonderful, and loving, and and uh, there's all peace and harmony. However, that is a, a rarity. How do you train it? How do people overcome? Okay, again, I can only talk from my personal experience, Melvin. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I know Patrick has a story, but I'd like to know yours, David. Um, okay, I ran a company, retail company, which had 38 stores. Each store had a store manager. Each store had between five and 10 members of staff. Um, each store had customers. So the way I looked at it is if there was a problem in every single store each day, I would receive 38 calls. If there was a problem with a member of staff who wanted to speak with me and just one member of staff, that in itself would be 38 calls. And if there was a customer complaint from each store, that would be 38 calls. So it's quite simple to do the maths. That's a lot of phone calls that could come my way, which would then make my role unproductive in principle. So the key firstly, before you take away the child's phone is you've got to put the structure in place. You have to put the structure which says, how am I going to manage the phone calls that I should receive from the store managers, from the member of staff, from the customer complaints? Because they're your priority and you can't take those away and you can't switch your phone off until you've got the structure in place that allows you to have creativity of time. So that was the first thing that I did. I put the system in place the accountability with the responsibility and training and coaching my members of staff, managers in this instance. So there was a mechanism which they could follow. I get that. I get that. But the question still is there and Patrick come in obviously in a moment, but where does that fit with don't put off till tomorrow what you could do today? Where does that fit? in the balance of overcoming, let's say, the, the, the delays that can be happening okay. it, through, through, through having all these distractions? Because these are distractions, are they not? Oh, everything will be a distraction. But yeah. as I mentioned, you can't put, you can't use that philosophy yes. in creating time until you put the structure in place that manages the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah? So, for me, it was about putting the structure in place that allowed me to be creative of time, which then allowed me to manage my time effectively and creatively. Creatively? But there we go. So, Patrick, you are a master of this, and I take my <coughs> hat off. Oh, your, your literal hat off. I'm taking my hat off. No, because you're very good at it. And it's a rarity because you're one of the few people that actually has... Almost, I mean, I say almost because I'm not an expert. You've almost mastered it, haven't you? Well, uh, yeah, it's it's just an old-fashioned thing. I mean, I, you know, I think we're all all three of us are of an age where before mobile phones were even in use, 
And we can all remember the days of the bleeper when you used to have the little bleeper. Um, but, 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 but would you say your engineering background would have been an, an, an assist here? Yeah, definitely. And there's a couple of little stories and I'll try and keep them brief. But I think the first one is, I mean, I used to work a lot in lift shafts. So if I go out to survey a job, I might be on top of a lift in the middle of a lift shaft and someone needs to get hold of me. So the bleeper would go off. Now, I certainly wasn't going to throw everything down, clean myself off and run to the nearest phone. It, it surely couldn't be that urgent. Because let's face it, most phone calls these days aren't that urgent. So, um, you know, if that happened to me, I'd have to eventually get out the lift shaft. I'd have to go and find a public phone box, uh, make sure I've got some 10Ps and 20Ps in my pocket and call the office. Half the time I'd call, they'd go, oh, yeah, we want to get older. you earlier, found out about something, but... We've actually found it out from somebody else now, so it's all right, you know. Um, scenarios like that. Um, and another one, when we did have mobile phones, we, we had a team of fitters, a few teams of fitters, and they would call me. And there was one particular one. There was a team out, and they were out on a Saturday. Um, and this guy rang me up. He was in Brighton. It was early in the morning. It wasn't a problem. I was up and about and doing something. Got this phone call. Oh, I better take that. He's on site. There could be a serious issue. So I answered the phone and I said, you okay? What's up? I said, oh, the, uh, the light bulb on top of the lift car doesn't work. <laughs> I said, all right. He said, so the lift shaft's completely dark uh, and we can't get anything done. I said, so, so we just analyse the situation here in a mockery sort of tone. Um, so if it's dark because the light bulb's not working, what do you think the next course of action could be to resolve the situation? I said, oh, well, um, well, we need to get a light bulb from somewhere. I said, well, that's, a, that's a probably a good idea. So I said, will there be a B&Q nearby or a, a Wix or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, you could go there and get one then, couldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I said, so you didn't really need to phone me up, did you? You just needed to go to Wix. So actually, the time you spent talking to me on the phone, you could be halfway to Wix now and getting the bowl, couldn't you? Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. And, and uh, you know, there were some guys that were famous for it, were well known that they would just ring me up about a problem before they even stopped to think how to resolve it. And this is the problem today. So... That boils down to when I'm in a meeting, someone rings me. I've got a voicemail, so let's hold this up. They'll leave a voicemail on here, and when that meeting's finished, I'll ring them up, and I'll deal with that situation. Unless it's life-threatening or something like, you know, someone's giving birth or something, there's not really anything that is particularly hurried. And if someone rang me up now to tell me they were giving birth, there's not a lot I could do about it, to be fair. So, you know, it, it's a sense of we've almost got this mobile phone and we've become addicted or dependent on it. And we don't need it. If we all had a landline from home and we were out in the car, we wouldn't be able to contact anyone. Simple okay. as. 
So we've slightly gone off tangent with procrastination. Hmm. Um, would you like to hit the next subject, Patrick? Oh, well, well, is this David's point that he was going to make about, um, is that the positives and negatives of putting a task off? Is that right? Hmm. Yeah, so um, I think that was your first point, wasn't it, David, about the actual positives and the negatives or the pros and cons of putting a task or action off to the next day. Yeah. The um, mindset needs to be adjusted to this. So we are told, don't put off until tomorrow. But there are very good reasons for putting a task off until the next day. Because unless you've given that task, and it may just have hit you in the face that day, you don't give it due consideration of time to have thought through what your response should be. So the only way I can describe it in basic terms is something's occurred and you've seen red mist. So you're in your car and you're driving along and somebody's cut you up and the first thing you see is red mist and your eyes are now filling up, the anger inside you is now boiling over and you do say the weirdest things. I'm going to get that, whatever. <laughs> I'm going to show him who's boss. And so what you do, you don't let your thought take over. You just let your drive take over. I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it right now. And I'm going to show him who's boss. So the problem is, is when you react in such a way, there's a consequence and it's not a positive consequence. So I'll give you an example. I was driving along, going home after a day when I was about 19 or 20 years old and I was driving my car and this car cut me up on the roundabout. So like you do, I chose a few well-chosen expletives with some hand gestures and thought, now I've told him. Unfortunately for me, this guy didn't actually see it in such a manner with his three friends in the car, which I hadn't noticed before. And he decided to chase me. And as a result of that action, I had to try and take evasive action, which was driving round the streets of Gantz Hill, trying to find a way where I could lose this towel who was really quite close to me and looking to inflict pain on me. So I managed to avoid it, but I learned from it. Maybe put it off. Don't necessarily react and maybe give it some thought process before you react. So to be fair, there are times when you should do it and you should do it right now, but in the main, maybe give it some thought and if you give it some thought, you're actually giving it some positive outcome from that situation. So in a business environment, yes. rather than three guys chasing you with baseball bats, yes. in, a, in, a, in a business environment, I mean, would we be looking at the fact that someone's phoned you 
told you some, let's say, some exceptional news, good, bad, or indifferent, hmm. should you act on it then? Should you act on it in three hours' time? Should you think about the subject and then respond the following day? Okay. Depending on what the news is, of course. But of then... course. But obviously, here we're talking about a business environment. Yes. So how, you know, what might be a good example there? Oh, crikey, let me think. Um, a good example would have been um, receiving uh, a telephone call from a disgruntled member of staff who followed it up with an email which basically showed me that he felt he had no choice but to leave his employee due to the actions of his manager. That he felt threatened and intimidated. And therefore, as reading the note, I read constructive dismissal. Yeah. Now, that couldn't be put off. I had to deal with it then and there. Yeah. And it was, what do I need to do now? And how can I create time for me to do it as subsequently effectively? Yeah. Yeah. So what I did, I contacted him and arranged to meet him the next day. That gave me breathing space. Mm. Yeah? yeah. And that breathing space gave me time to think logically on how I deal with this situation. But so psychologically, that's a situation where both parties have had time to have karma and consider all the points mm. a far more effective conversation the following day. Mm, correct. Whereas a shouting and screaming match or an intense conversation there and then on the spot mm. usually adds to negativity. Very rarely will it come out positive. Absolutely. You've got the heat of the moment and you've yeah. got to diffuse it. Yes. Yeah, I think that's, that's, um, a really good point, David and, and Melvin, because you can, like you said, the red mist, you know, some people, we can react to a situation, knee-jerk reactions and firefighting mm. is where, where, you know, situations arise. And sometimes, you know, the old adage is count to 10. There's actually a psychological benefit of counting down from 10. There is. But it enables you to think that in that time, if I want to say, you know, something off the cuff, how is that person going to take that? How are they going to react to that? And how is that going to benefit the situation? Mm. And again, like you said, if you arrange a meeting for the next day or later in the day, you've got time to analyse, look at the facts, have a few thoughts and almost like a game of chess, think how their reactions might be. Counteractions, you're so much better prepared and you're going to say the right things and more positive things to take things in a more positive direction, aren't you, David? Yeah, absolutely. You're going to give the person who's going to be facing you due respect. Yes. And I think that's the most important thing. <clears throat> As you mentioned, uh, Patrick, it was a game of chess. Well, it's not about playing the game. It's about also playing the opponent and playing the key critique of time. 
So if you can manage all three of those and you do it effectively, you've managed it well. And that way you, it's a, a very important philosophy I have, touch it once and put it to bed. Don't keep touching that same piece of paper again and again and again, because you'll go nowhere with it. But once you've made your move to again quote a chess analogy, be confident in what you've done. So, yeah, I agree with you entirely. Okay. And, well, I think that's taking you to your second point, really, that how managing tasks effectively can lead to a positive outcome mm. in both your work and personal lives. And, mm. and I, I, perhaps you can expound on that, touch it once and put it to bed as well. Um, I think as a, as a race of people, we like to see our, that we are busy and we like to show our boss that we are very busy people um, because it's the perception of what people think of you, which is the key thought in one's mind. Yeah, if my boss sees me sitting down doing nothing, I'm dispensable. But if he sees me busy all the time, I'm indispensable. It's a weird way of looking at life, but I understand it because I've been in situations like that myself. So it's really about not being a busy fool. That's the key statement. If you're doing things just to do things, there's no point in doing them. And if you're trying to do things without there being a positive outcome, then there really has been no point you doing what you're doing. So how can I manage my tasks effectively leading to a positive outcome? Well, the tasks that I'm about to do or I am doing have got to have an end result, whether it be good or bad. So if I've done it badly, there'll be a poor outcome. If I've done it well, there'll be a positive outcome. So the first part is about understanding what tasks you should be doing and what tasks you could be delegating, which then manages the tasks that you personally have to deal with. And more importantly, the tasks that you've delegated without abdicating them, you take responsibility for and you continually touch them but you're not doing them yourself. So how can it lead to a positive outcome? Well, the most important thing, if you manage the monkey, which in this instance is a task, then number one, you create time. And utilizing that time, you can put it to more positive effect. So that when the MD used to come round and would visit the head office, he would see me just sat there looking at my screen or talking to the people. And I had to educate him that what I was doing was I was managing my time effectively. So I didn't over, be overcome by work or tasks and I could think create, cre creatively. So that allowed me to then employ key actions that had a positive outcome 
on the business. So that's how I do it. Um, if you manage your tasks effectively and you manage the right tasks and you delegate other tasks without abdicating them, that can have a positive outcome, especially within your work. But if you employ the same thing as well within your personal life, because you're not going to be at work from six o'clock in the morning till one o'clock the following morning, seven days a week, like I did in 1996. So becoming more focused and achieving more and having a greater outcome, more positive outcome, both in personal and in work lives. So I think, I hope that gives you a view on how I do things and the way I've done it in the past. Can I ask a humble question here? Yes. This subject, which is obviously a fascination in human nature, hmm. and it's referred to since obviously the, the Benjamin Franklin quote has put a kind of a, a big emphasis on people's actions. I think that's really what it's all about. Hmm. As a lay person, is it not a contradiction of terms? How do you mean? Okay, so procrastination, which is what we're <laughs> predominantly about, and if you obviously uh, are an expert in procrastination, which we all are, every person in the human race is, mm. um, we make a mistake. So what do we do to put that mistake right? How do we deal with it? More often than not, we can deal with it straight away immediately with no questions asked. But what we tend to do is we think about it. We become, we feel, we feel guilty about whatever has happened. And we think to ourselves, oh, do you know what? I don't know if I can do this now. I'll do it in the morning. It's just human nature, hmm. which has happened over hundreds of centuries, not the last few days. Hmm. And the, you know, to, to find a solution that fits all. So for argument's sake, it, you, you control 38 shops. Hello, David. I can't open today, we had a power failure. I've got nine staff here, what do I do? So would you like an answer for that, Melvin? Well, obviously there's an answer for it, but you will deal with it different to <clears throat> Patrick. And you two will deal with it possibly different to me. Okay. So, let's how, how does it fit all? How does it fit all? Okay, so from, from again experience, my my office, our head office, was based in Mayfair. Hmm. The store in question, and this actually happened, was based in Bristol. Well, that's coincidence. I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> the, the reality is, Bristol is roughly about a hundred and fifteen miles away. Yeah. With the best will in the world, I'm not built with wings. So I couldn't fly myself there. And I would have to, if I was to take personal responsibility to deal with that problem, it would take me three hours to get my car, to drive there, by which time I would be shattered, knackered, whichever way you could look at it, wouldn't be clear of mind, and three hours would have been wasted. So the manager has got to learn to deal with it and take responsibility. So. What I did was I used the phone and I talked to him and said to him, okay, so 
you've, you've got a power cut. And he goes, yeah. I said, what about the rest of the stores in the shopping center? Have they got power cuts? That's the first thought process. If they had, well, there's not an awful lot you can do about it other than if you've got the grill up and you can't close it, you keep your staff occupied, customer facing, give them a torch if need be, and keep positive. And it's about what you do to keep positive that other people, the customers will find positive. I get, I get that, but, but, but let me give you the point, David. Hmm. It might, I mean, pr probably to do Bristol, it, as a whole, there and back, is almost a day written off. Correct. So that's already something where you're now in the delegation process. Correct. But you're, but you're on the phone spending an hour, hour and a half, back and forth. Maybe you're talking to the electricity board or you've got the manager doing it, you're giving guidance or whatever, but this is already eaten into your day. Okay. There, there are some things you can't avoid. Correct. Yeah. And you have to then think to yourself, okay, I'll put that off. This is more important. I've got to deal with this now. Okay. So this brings me to that one magic point. The actual delivery of urgency in all set projects for that period or that day. Okay. Well, you have to reschedule them. You have no choice. <clears throat> Because the one commodity that you've had is time. That's now been taken up by an emergency situation. So are you making a spreadsheet? Are you writing this down on paper? What kind of, how are you doing it? I've got, the way I look at it on my screen, I see my tasks. I know what their priority is. And I can see the availability of time because I've got my calendar integrated within that same piece of software. Yeah. So the first thing I'm going to do is deal with the problem at hand. And the only way I can deal with it is if I'm a GP. The problem is what the manager is experiencing at the time. Yeah. I'm the GP. He comes to me and what I've got to do is say to him, right, take this medicine. If it doesn't work, I want you to contact me. Okay. If it works, I want you to contact me anyway, so at least I'm appraised as to what's going on. How long do you need, do you think, to be able to do these actions? And we agree on a timescale for when he will phone me back. That's the first point of call before I do anything else. So I'm a GP, he's got the problem, I've written out prescription and asked him to come back if it doesn't work. And I've said to him, if it doesn't work, just phone me up anyway, so I'm appraised of how it's going. During that period of time I've now got, I'm now able to reschedule my tasks, reschedule any appointment, or make alternative arrangement for somebody else to take that meeting if needed. So I've created the time which allows me to focus. Once I've done that, I'm waiting for that phone call back. But I'm also doing my research. I'm checking with some of the other retailers, head offices. What is their procedure? How are they managing this crisis problem that we've got at the moment? Is there any way can we can combine resources in which to deal with such a situation? Yeah. So when the manager phones me up, I know what to do next. 
and I know what the other retailers are subsequently doing. Okay, so so do you, as David Goldring, do you, as a as the consultant that you are, do you have a a software setup that you could um, adapt for pretty much most uh, individuals that might come across your path? Yeah, where yeah. you'll be able to highlight and demonstrate that you are quite frankly, in a position to show them the way to find resolution? Yeah, the first thing is to identify what their problem actually is. Because when, you, when you're expressing what, the, what you need, it may not necessarily be what you need at that point. There's something else underlying. Sure. And so therefore, yes, to answer your question, I, I can most definitely. But I think what I do is... As an individual consultant, I look at the overall business and I don't look at the top. I look at what's beneath the surface, which is causing those problems to rise to the top. Yeah. And then once I've identified that, I can then prescribe the right course of action that will not only deal with what's on the top now, because that's the immediate yeah but also put in place what needs to be done underneath it to stop that from occurring again. Mm. And once you've identified that, mm -hmm. it's very easy and straightforward to put the remedies in place. So that's how I operate. Do I have software that will enable me to do it? Yes, but it has to be amended or adapted more importantly yeah, to yeah. the individual business that I have in front of me. Yeah, but so you but you you already have the analysis because you've asked the questions ready in order to provide the appropriate prescription. Yes, absolutely. So I had a business that said, um, "I've got a problem," and I said, "What's your problem?" And he said, "My problem is is I I haven't got enough cash to pay my bills." And I said, "Okay." He said, and I won't have enough money to pay yours. And I said, even better. So let me look at what's going on within your business. So that's what I did. Yeah. He had employed me or engaged my services through TNL to identify a particular request, which he wanted me to look at. When it came to it, and as soon as the alarm bell rang, which said, I've got a problem, can't pay the bills. That tells me there's an underlying issue within his business. And that underlying issue needed to be addressed as well as me addressing immediately his initial cash flow problem, which we resolved. That was fairly straightforward. Yeah. yeah. But how, how did you cope with the knee jerk? The knee jerk reaction as in what? Okay. So... The knee-jerk reaction was he had to tell you unnecessarily, yes. and I can't pay your bill either. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a realist. I, as much as I want my bill to be paid straight away, or within 30 days, as the case may be, I'd rather somebody be open and honest and transparent with me so at least I understand what their problems are. But what I said to him was, you don't need me to do X job, X role, X task in your, in your business. That is not what is going to be beneficial to you now. 
What you need me to do is to take a good look at your business and identify what's going on and why. Which he eventually agreed. And I said, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you a bit of relief. I'll put my bill off for a month. I'll give you that. In a month's time, you can pay me for what was previously owed and what I'm doing for you now. And it was a case of looking and identifying what had gone on within his business. Because his business was cash rich from the point of view, great turnover. It had great profits. The question is, in my head, as soon as I see a business which has great turnover and excellent profits, is where's the cash gone? Yeah, yeah? where's the money? If you've got profit, that should equate to money in the bank. Yes. So the first question is, is where's the money? And there you are, there you have it. You have the initial problem, can't pay your bill. Can't pay any bills, which is a big problem. Then the second problem is, but if you're profitable and you've got good turnover, where is the cash? And that then becomes the element that you then plan, you identify, you examine, and you come up with a resolution, which then means going forward, that problem should not reoccur, which then resolves the issues. So clearly they had procrastinated. Um, they had what I would class as ostrich management, which is called burying one's head in the sand. Yeah. Well, Not the problem. Yeah. yeah, they were procrastinating, most definitely. They buried their heads in the sand. They hadn't dealt with the problem. Yeah. Needed it to I'll be... Wait for the problem to happen before we deal with the problem. Absolutely. And then once you've got the problem, not recognising the problem, because, yeah. you know, it's like... Bailiffs come knocking at your door. I won't answer the door. Yeah. But the problem is they won't go away. They'll come back. Yeah. Yeah. So, Patrick, I don't know how we're doing for time. I know there is possibly another question. Well, there's a, there's another point. I think we, and, and I know you've touched on it slightly, but it's about, um, now, I pronounce this word differently, but how uh, point three was how being a protagonist pessimist, optimist, or realist can lead to positive decisions. I always thought it was protagonist, but there you go. That's my, my poor, poor, uh, poor speech. I think that's just a Essex speak, Patrick. Yes, that's, that's, that's acceptable. In it, in it bruv. I'll, yeah. have, I'll have you know, I was brought up in the East End <laughs> and then moved to Elstree in Hertfordshire, which is where I learnt to talk proper. <laughs> So, um, is it not fair to say we've covered quite a lot of this in the other two parts because we've kind of expounded and expanded colossally on the first two points? I think so. Um, I think the only thing I would say is we are all protagonists. We can sometimes be pessimists. There are times when we are optimists. And sometimes that blinds us, leading us to strive forward without thought. But the most important is you've got to recognize you're all of these at some point or another. And it's the realist in you that allows you to make the quality decisions. So that's almost like beating your head up, beating yourself up. And it's almost like the self-punishment 
of which you then realise you don't have to do, there is a way out. Absolutely. Now, I'll expand on it in the meeting on the 15th of January, um, which again is based on my observations and yes. personal experiences. Yes. I think it's not negative to be a protagonist or a pessimist. No, it's not. The most important thing is you've got to recognize how you personally operate in both personal and work lives. And you can't be one or another, you have to be all of them. You have to recognize yourself when you're being a protagonist. Yeah. Give yourself the proverbial kick up the bum. Yeah. Move it forward. You know, if somebody who says, it's like, you hear people say, I'm an extrovert or I'm an introvert. Well, I say, I'm an introverted extrovert. Okay. Because everybody is introverted. Everybody is shy. Every single human being on this planet is shy at some point, whether it's meeting somebody, going to a networking group, going to a meeting, we're shy and our shyness can be a negative thought process. But there are people who say, no, I'm, I'm over, I'm confident. I'm always confident. Well, I'm sorry, everybody's an introvert. Everybody's shy, but it's how you deal with it which makes you come across as an extrovert. So can I, can I ask you, David, and perhaps you, Patrick, to some extent, um, could you say that procrastination um, probably could could bring out the more creativeness in us, uh, which will also assist us to make a better decision in the long run? In some instances, absolutely right. It's got to be held in balance, hasn't it? You know, there, there are things that, you know, you might say, uh, for example, Melvin, I might bring a recent uh, conversation to mind. You might say, we need to do a video for this. Let's do it now. <laughs> Without any pre-thought or anything at all. Who would say such a thing? <laughs> I don't know. Someone who's a bit precipitous, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, at this point of uh, gurality, because obviously there is a lot of garrulousness upon us in this particular instance. Um, sometimes, as I said earlier, when we were not recording the recording, sometimes it works when you just literally yeah. fly from the hip. Yeah, there are things that work like that, but you've got to realise what needs to be prepared, what doesn't necessarily need to be prepared, which I think David's touched on. Yeah. Um, and you've got to assess that. And I think you've got to allow yourself time to assess that. You know, you might need to allow yourself just two minutes to think of that. You yeah. might need, you know, 20 minutes to think. So this is, this is basic training for someone that regularly just knee jerks and more often than not makes a poor decision rather than a positively good one. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that definitely happens. Knee-jerking is so dangerous. Yeah. We, can, you know, we can say the wrong things, we can do the wrong things. 
And very often we can react very quickly to something yeah. um, and then realise that somebody else was already dealing with it and then turns up after you've just rushed around for 20 minutes doing something to find that they've already done it. Um, so we've got to keep everything in balance and just have that moment to breathe. And I, and, you know, I know we touched on this a bit before, but we, we have allowed technology to make our lives busier. Yeah. Technology should be being used to make our lives easier. Mm. And because it's all around us, and I know Netflix have put this program out, The Social Dilemma, it distracts us. And we become, you know, reactive so quickly to so many things. Whereas if we just took that moment to just breathe, calm down or uh, chillax as the modern word is. Yeah. Just think for a moment, we're actually allowing that creative part of our brain. Yeah. Think this through and we can create. In 10 hours. Thank <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, that's my 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 theatre voice. Your, 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 this is your consciousness. This is always something in the back of my mind. Yeah. Let's let's very briefly come back to a point there, which I think is very important because don't remember, we there is technology. Yes, it's fantastic what's going on in the IT world and the communications mm. world right now. <laughs> However, in order to action any of those pieces of mechanical wondrous and wonderment. Mm some human being has to press a button or touch something. Mm. So the problem actually is more mental than it is anything else. So please God, next year, when we have your presentation at the next Case Mastermind meeting, mm. there will be people in the room, I'm certain of this, that, that will obviously ask you the question about karma mm. and the fact of uh, controlling the mind and so on and so forth. Because obviously Patrick's touched on another subject of a, of a movie that I've actually watched several times now, The Social Dilemma, hmm. where the manipulation of people's minds by the, by the, by the billions has been obviously uh, used and abused by certain individuals across the last 20 to 30 years who have created all these fantastic things called Facebook and LinkedIn and God knows what else. It's about the control of your mind at the end of the day that mm. then touches or pushes that button. Mm. Yeah. So that's, yeah. I think, where this potentially might need to begin. What do you think about that? Mm. What's your view? My view now? What would be your view? Because it, you know, it, the, the control of the mind okay. makes, creates the karma. It most certainly does. Um, I'll give you a, an, another related example. It's social dilemma is the technology. Call it a fridge. It's full of food. Yeah. The karma, the control of the mind comes when you're sat in front of the TV is the fridge is calling my name. It has a snack for me. Yeah. Now the, the control comes, can I resist it? Do I need to touch it? Can I put myself away from it? Or do I succumb to it? Now, 
my personal view is I succumb to it. It calls my name. It wants me for a reason. But on one hand, I will eat the food and feel bad about it afterwards. But on the other hand, I can put it off if I focus my mind. So putting it into modern day technology terms, our lives are controlled by LinkedIn, by Facebook, by Twitter, by Instagram, by Snapchat, and there are many, many more. And yes, you can live your life by forever updating your status on all of these various different online vehicles. But if you manage it effectively and don't let it manage you, you create your own karma, your own space. It becomes a problem when it's done the other way around. And then you've got to deal with it because you're then talking of an addiction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, then you, and, then, and then you've got to go on a diet. Uh, then you've got to go on an enforced diet, unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but it's about having a, 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 some kind of electric lock that only allows you to open that fridge door at the appropriate time. Melvin, let me tell you something. You can put any bloody lock on my fridge, <laughs> but I'll get a crowbar if I'm feeling peckish. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think on the food line, um, if we if we uh, reduce or boil down the sauce, mm. um, you know, on that point, that it's it's all about managing what we're doing. It's what return on investment are you getting, whatever activity you're doing. We can even analyse that on the fridge. If I get up and go to the fridge and mm. eat that bit of trifle that's sitting in there, what is the actual outcome of that going to be? I'm going to put on weight and then, you know, my trousers aren't going to fit. I'm going to have to go and get a bigger pair of trousers or, or <laughs> go on some weight loss. Don't worry, um, Patrick. I'll, I'll be there in half an hour. We'll share it 50-50. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but, but coming back to that, it is about managing that distraction. My phone's on silent. It's out the way. It's managed. And it's very much like, um, you know, my mum loves licorice all sorts, and I do buy them every now and again. And, but what happens with things like that? If you put the bowl by the side of you, they're gone, aren't they? You're watching the, the TV or whatever you do. The, the magic hand. Yeah, because it's within arm's reach. You haven't even got to get up. If, if, if you then went upstairs, um, got the loft ladder out, put them in the loft and put the ladder away, when you're sitting there watching the film, you think, oh, I could do one in a minute. Oh, oh, actually, I can't be bothered to do all of that. So it's, you know, even if you put them up out the way in a cupboard, it's that thing of if it's out of the way or if it's out of arm's reach, it's it's making it a, a conscious decision then so david your fridge isn't next to your telly so you know you it's it's down to you <laughs> you might have to put the fridge in the shed down the garden when it comes to food i'm a very very weak person <laughs> but and even I'm a weak person dead. can become strong by the habits that they form absolutely right and it is and purely those habits yeah. So coming back to our subject, chaps, never put off till tomorrow what you can do today. Hmm. Is there anything else we would want or should cover prior to 
summing up what we have achieved in this podcast this morning? Um, can I come back to you on that one tomorrow, please, Melvin? <laughs> <laughs> You're a procrastinator. <laughs> and, I, and I'm very proud to say yes, I am. <laughs> well, well, I actually waited for David to jump in there. Because that gave me breathing space, Melvin, to oh, think. Oh. And in, in those creative thoughts, I feel that we have summarised our summarisations for today. Good. <laughs> so, I, I do have, just before you do that, Patrick, I do have one last point, which I don't necessarily want David to expound upon now. But obviously, there is the question of multitasking which is a serious issue certainly of the male species mm -hmm. not so much of the female species because they're much better and greater than us in those types of operations but multitasking can be many people's um how can i put it nemesis to some degree a downfall I, I think I'd agree. And, but in some cases, it can be their greatest attribute. So I'd like you to touch on that when we meet in January. Um, I'll add it to my plates that I'm currently spinning. Could you do that, please? Yes. And I, I know you're pretty damn good at that. Well, yeah, I, I believe I'm a fantastic multitasker. However... My wife thinks otherwise. Exactly. So it's it's something to do with, uh, you know, creating an adverse effect in the context of never put off till tomorrow what you can do today because multitasking can be the greatest benefit or the most colossal hindrance. Absolutely right. I agree with you totally. Yes. We've got a plate spin. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, if we've uh, finished on that, gents, um, mm. what we normally do, in our feedback, we do offer people the opportunity to feedback um, on our podcast and uh, leave a review as well. We'd love people to leave a, a nice five-star review for us if they really enjoy our broadcasts. Um, and we ask them to leave a particular word or phrase in there uh, pertaining to that month's broadcast. So is there a word or phrase that we they could interject into their uh, comments to, uh, to be in line with this month's broadcast, David? Oh, wow. A word. Or a, word a phrase. Or a phrase. A phrase. Um... You know what? Top of my head, I can't think of anything. Okay. So I'm going to think it through. Well, I'm thinking of protagonist or I'm thinking of tomorrow. What say you? Well, personally, I go for the word in the sentence procrastination. Procrastination. Melvin would have to come up with a long word, wouldn't he? There we go. <laughs> look my diary to see how to spell it. Yeah. <laughs> IT. IT, yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> my, 
My spell checker is going into overdrive now. Okay, so the word is procrastination. If people leave that in the comments or the reviews, um, there will be a prize for the person who creatively uses that to the best use. So that's over to our listeners, both of them, that is uh, Renata and his wife, Renee, uh, in Runcorn. We... (laughs) appreciate and hopefully they can share with their friends if they enjoy this broadcast and then many others can join us uh, for the following month so uh, without further ado it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him and i believe it's goodbye from me thank you very much thank you everyone thank you very much So folks, thank you for joining us on our broadcast. This has been brought to you by Case Mastermind, a brainstorming mastermind group that you, the listener, can be a part of. Just follow the links in the notes attached to our website and Eventbrite pages to see what events you can join us at. If you enjoy our content, please share and review. One of the talented people who leave us a great review with that month's watchword that's given out on our monthly broadcast will be selected for the prize. If you would like to hear more, please hit the subscribe button so you can hear more from the Case Mastermind team. So remember folks, listen out, listen up, and listen in. See you soon.